all grace. And his grace enables us and empowers us to be in his presence and to live life with him. We can put our full assurance and hope in his grace today. He is so good. Well, it's my joy to be with you guys today. Um, I love this, but it's my even greater joy uh, to just be a part of this family. Um, Rebecca and I are so honored uh, to be a part of New Covenant Church, and uh, what God has done in our lives in this time has been simply amazing. And we just thank you for welcoming us with open arms and uh, for what you guys stand for. I believe that the best is yet to come for New Covenant Church. I believe the best is yet to come for Buffalo, New York. I believe the best is yet to come uh, for all of those who follow Jesus. Um, God has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. And uh, let's, let's just take some time this morning to celebrate the fact that Jesus has a better word for us. Jesus has spoken a better word over our lives. We're in the sermon series called Outbreak. And today my message is called Break the Jar. Break the Jar. In order for us to go after everything that God has for us, everything he has for our church, everything he has for our families, everything he has for this city that we love so much, we have to break the jar. I'm going to explain a little bit about what that means in just a minute. But if you're, uh, I don't know where you are right now, on a couch, maybe you're at a park, maybe you're on a walk, uh, get, your, get your Bible out and let's get in the Word together. We're going to be in Mark chapter 14 this morning. And uh, this is the story of Jesus being anointed at Bethany. This is actually, some, uh, uh, some authors write two, two days, some write six days before uh, Jesus is going to die to save the entire world and bring the grace of God to the planet. Um, and so this is an intense time. I mean, we're talking about uh, disciples that have walked with Jesus, a family that has been built, a culture that has been built. And uh, it's a crucial moment for Jesus' followers because they kind of know, but they kind of don't know what's going to happen. And really only Jesus fully knows what's coming. Um, it was in verse one, it says it was two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and teachers of religious law the people that were supposed to be following God were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. They were so jealous of the grace of God that was poured out on the earth. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus and his disciples are having a party in the midst of persecution and tribulation. They're, they're having a party and they're celebrating it says, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. I mean, there's already an atmosphere of miracles in this home, in this culture. While he was eating, a woman, who we know is actually Mary from John's Gospel, came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. Now, alabaster was actually a stone Commonly found in Israel, it was a hard stone resembling white marble and is often to referred, referred to as one of the precious sto uh, stones used in the decoration of Solomon's temple. Ointments, oils, and perfumes used to be put in vessels made of alabaster, which kept them pure and unspoiled. The boxes were often sealed 
or made fast with wax to prevent the perfume from escaping. When Mary broke open her alabaster box, the house was actually filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Alabaster was a strong enough substance to keep the oil perfume completely contained, completely pure until the time of its use. These jars would actually have long necks, so they were designed to only have one use. And you'd actually have to break the neck of the jar, and whatever the contents were in that alabaster jar would be poured out. Now, nard, which was inside of the alabaster jar, was an aromatic oil imported from India. Um, so the alabaster jar was actually a very small flask. It, was, it would hold just enough oil for one application. Such a small amount being worth a year's wages meant that this was one of the most expensive commodities on the planet. This is the stuff for royalty. This is really, really rich, rich, lavish stuff we're talking about. Mary actually symbolically anoints Jesus as king before he dies. And it's a powerful, powerful moment that, carried, that has been carried throughout the telling of the gospel, as we'll see. Well, it says she broke open the jar and poured perfume on his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. They were so mad. They're going crazy because she's interrupting the system of how they had been living. They said, why waste? They looked at this as a waste for Mary to dump out such a tremendous resource worth about a year's wages. Why? What's the point? What was going on here? Well, we know that her pouring was actually uh, not about the money, right? But it was about her heart. It was symbolic of the fact that Mary was pouring her entire heart and her entire soul on Jesus. And Jesus totally defends her in this moment. Um, but the disciples, they're mad. They say it could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. It was actually Judas who was the one that was mainly complaining. And John tells us why. Because he kept some of the money for himself. So he didn't actually care. He was just looking to get ahead. He was looking to get his, right? How many times do we come to God, myself included, looking to get something for ourselves? So they scolded her harshly. I mean, they're like beating her up, right? And Mary is left in an extremely, extremely vulnerable place. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you. But you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. It's almost like Mary didn't want to wait to put the oil on Jesus after she was dead. She had the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe, Jesus, the lover of her soul, right at her fingertips. And she just couldn't help but anoint him King. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Father, in Jesus' name, God, let us have an excellent spirit today, God. Not excellence according to what the world is looking for, but let us have an excellent spirit, God, in your kingdom. God, bring an excellent spirit to this church. Bring an excellent spirit to our city because, Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. May your name be great, Lord. You are great, and you are greatly to be praised. And we worship you this morning, wherever we're watching from this morning, God. We just worship you in Jesus' name. Just say, Jesus, we love you, and we give you our lives. We are going to crack the jar for you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, how many of you are, are fans of the wonderful Superstore Target out there? Okay. I'm not necessarily a big Target guy, um, but I do see the appeal, okay? Target is a master at getting you to buy things and getting to buy, you to buy things that you don't even need and you didn't even know you wanted, okay? So when you walk into Target, first of all, a lot of them have a Starbucks. I mean, if you put a Starbucks where I'm going to be shopping, you are, you are increasing the amount of purchasing power you are getting from me immediately. Second of all, they have these beautiful red carts just lined up, right? And they just look so neat and so tidy, and red is the color of, like, passion, and, like, you're going to get things done, and it's just so inviting. You walk in, you grab this cart, and you're like, I am ready to shop my head off, right? And then, thirdly, they have, like, the dollar section. Right when you get in there, it just smacks you in the face, and you're like, yeah, I definitely don't need this, but... It's a dollar, right? You know what I'm saying, right? All right, well, normally Target doesn't really affect me that much. But guys, this quarantine thing has got me tripping, okay? I walked into Target about a week ago, and I had my mask on, and I was ready to just get a a few items, right? Some toilet paper, right? And all of a sudden, I felt like I had entered the pearly gates of the red Target. I was I was ready, guys. I'm going nuts. I was like, just whatever it costs. Here, here's all my credit cards. Here's just take it all. Here's a, here's a blank check that I have in my wallet. Here's my social security card, my job. Just take it all. I want everything that you have because I'm so sick and so desperate and so just tired of, of the quarantine and everything that's going on. Well, that's, that's really where Mary's at in this story. I mean, this is a woman who had seen God's power. Some scholars say that Um, She was actually the same Mary that anointed Jesus with her hair previously in the Gospels, which is something that only prostitutes would have done. She had become become so humbled and so low because she knew that she was the guilty one walking free. And then more recently, she had seen her brother Lazarus raised from the dead. Mary was so convinced that Jesus was the Son of God that she would have risked her entire life on it. And we see Mary in this situation. It's a party. There's tension in the room because the disciples are used to things being a certain way. Mary has this jar of of oil that she's been saving for Jesus. And she knows that if she goes and gets this oil and brings it out, it's going to throw everything off. It's going to mess everything up. You know, the, the thought that I had when I was in Target that came into my brain, that, that brought everything to a screeching halt was the fact that my family and my wife is sitting in a white van outside in the parking lot, and I can't give them all my credit cards because that would throw everything off. Mary knows that she is about to change the atmosphere of a culture. These disciples have been walking with Jesus for three years. Grace after grace after grace. He forgives them. He loves them. He shows them things about his kingdom. And they're still so stubborn, just like us, right? Still trying to just figure it out. Mary knows that they're going to get upset. But she is willing to take the risk. She is willing to be vulnerable, to pour out her love on Jesus. She just can't hold it in. She breaks open the jar, and by doing so, she breaks open her heart. She breaks open her destiny. She breaks open the whole room and breaks open any system that the world had over her. 
She said, Jesus, take it all. I'm holding nothing back. Here is my heart. Here is my life. Here is my love. You can have it all. And she pours it all on Jesus. Amen. Well, that's the story. I'll see you guys next week. Just kidding. That's not where it ends. Wouldn't it be great if that was just the story? If we just said, Jesus, I love you. And you're so majestic, which is all true. And you're so gracious, which is true. And I'm just going to love you with my whole life. And I'm going to lock myself in my room. And I'm just going to be in your presence all day. And it's literally heaven on earth. Well, we're not quite there yet. Someday we will be able to worship our king. And we will be able to pour our oil on him 24-7 eternally. Amen? But here's the problem is that we have this thing called the earth. We have this thing called the world. And in many ways we are faced with with uh, the system of the world conflicting with our ability to risk it all for Jesus. We're human beings. We have fears. We have worries. We have anxieties. And we wonder to ourselves, just like the disciples did, will it be worth it? Will it be worth it for me to take my jar? This might be all I have. This might be all I own. This might be my retirement. This might be my safety. This might be my dreams. This certainly represents my whole heart, and I'm about to make it extremely vulnerable for you, Jesus. I'm about to pour it on you, Jesus. The risk involved in that is so costly to us as human beings. The disciples, they begin to knock Mary down. She is left extremely extremely vulnerable. It says that they became indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they ask. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor, so they scolded her harshly. See, we have to come face to face. Uh, Like Mary came face to face with the disciples, we have to come face to face with our moment to break it all for Jesus. I think many of us would find ourselves in one of two places today, this morning. What a beautiful Sunday in Buffalo, New York. Either we are holding back like the disciples in verse 4. We're wondering, what am I going to get out of this? If I give my whole life to Jesus, if I, if I do it, I know I've been feeling it in my knower. I, I just know it that he's asking me for everything, but I just can't do it. I don't know what the cost is going to be. What, will it be worth it? Or maybe, uh, maybe we're, we're stuck between verse 5 and verse 6. We, we, we've, been, we've broken our jar for Jesus. We've already done that. We've given him our whole life. And the world has knocked us down. It's a vulnerable place that we're in as human beings. Like I said, these disciples have been following Jesus for so long, and they totally missed it. And if you missed it today, it's okay. God's grace is sufficient for you. But he has more for you today. Amen. And if you have been following Jesus and you've poured it all out on him, Jesus has good news for you today. Jesus will always meet us at the point of our breaking. See, Jesus rises up in verse six. He says, leave her alone. Jesus, the great king, the mighty warrior, the protector of our souls, steps up, steps into the space, steps into the atmosphere, and says, leave her alone. Why criticize her? Why beat her up for doing such a good thing? He says, I have a better word. I have a better word for your situation. 
And I don't know how long you've been following Jesus. I don't know what hope you've put in him. I don't know how long you've been going to New Covenant Church and what sacrifices you've made. I don't know how long you've prayed for the city of Buffalo. I don't know how long you've prayed for your loved ones. I don't know how many sacrifices you've made. But one thing I do know is that in the place of your vulnerability, Jesus will meet you. Jesus has spoken a better word over our lives, and we can pour it all on him because not only does he speak a better word for our situation today, but he speaks a better word eternally. Someday you're going to die. Someday you're going to come face to face, and there's so much fear surrounding this with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And on that day, if you have poured your life out for Jesus, one thing will keep you eternally secure in the palm of his hand, and that's his blood. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. That's his great grace on your lives. But for us to see all God has for us, we have to crack the jar. The world doesn't get to tell you how the story ends. Jesus does. I don't know what jar you need to break today. Maybe it's moving to that neighborhood, giving that money away, fixing that relationship, taking that step. Stopping, starting, stopping something, starting something. Jesus will meet with you when you break it for him. So I'm going to tell you three things, and I'm going to be quick. Three things okay, that happen when we break the jar for Jesus. Number one, it moves the heart of God. See, Mary moved Jesus' heart. Not only did he stick up for her, but we can see his heart reflected. He gets emotional and passionate when he says, leave her alone. It's almost like he is defending her posture. I want to ask you this. How badly do you want to see God move? How badly do you want to see God move in your life? Mary knew. This is the, this is the hard part of the message, guys. This is the really, the really sobering fact that we have to look at, is that we know the cross is coming. Mary knew that Jesus was about to die. She was anointing him king before his burial. But she knew that she didn't know. She knew that she had no idea what was about to come. As light as that room was, as big of a party as that was, it was an extremely dark place for her soul. And Mary, what did she do? She still said yes. She, her yes was on the table. She broke the jar and she poured it out in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the fear, in spite of the risk, whatever that may have looked like. Mary knew the burial was coming, but it didn't stop the break. Amen? Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. I love the story of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 3, we see the supernatural favor of God meeting with us when we have our yes on the table. In verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar. See, this guy Nebuchadnezzar was the king, and he was making everyone bow down to him. We don't have time to get into this story too much. But these guys, they weren't going to bow down. They, were, they said yes to Jesus. They said, I would not trade you for anything. My yes is on the table, just like Mary. No matter what happens, through thick and thin, Jesus, you are my treasure. They said, we do not need to answer you on this point. Okay, If it be so, which means they're actually talking about being thrown into a furnace and killed and burned alive for their faith. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to rescue us from the furnace 
of blazing fire. Amen. Faith. Love it. Great faith. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. But this part is nuts. Everything hinges on this. It says, but even if he does not, even if he does not. See, this is the essence of a life poured out for Jesus. Even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't make my dreams happen the way that I wanted them to. Even if I don't see healing in my body. Even if I don't um, get to do what I wanted to. My life is surrendered to you, Jesus. I'm your slave. Why? Because I know that you have the final word. And I wouldn't trade the better word. I wouldn't trade the final word for anything. Nebuchadnezzar got so mad, says his facial expression changed. And then he gave a command that the furnace was to be heated seven times hotter than normal. See, sometimes when we pour pour it out to Jesus, it gets worse before it gets better. But I want to encourage you today. Like I said before, maybe you have poured it out for Jesus. Maybe it's gotten worse. Maybe you feel that vulnerability of Mary and you feel like the world and the system of the world has just beaten you up. God has a better word for you today. Hallelujah. It's better that it got worse because look what happens to these guys. They turn it up seven times hotter. The other guys that were putting them in there get burned alive and killed, which is horrible, but it was so hot. And Jesus himself actually appears in the fire with these guys. God himself comes down and supernaturally goes in the fire and they're not even burned. Jesus is the fourth man in your fire today. Jesus is speaking and will speak a better word over all the pain, all the suffering, all the sacrifice that you've put in. Hallelujah, I can feel the Lord. He is coming. He is on the way to meet you. Just like he stepped up and met Mary in that place and protected her, he is on his way with a better word for your life today. Hallelujah. Just receive it. See, the breaking attracts miracles. It attracts favor, and it attracts presence. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the eyes of the Lord scan the earth to and fro, seeking a heart that is fully devoted to him. If you want everything God has for you, you have to crack your jar. Number two, Mary finds, and this is really neat because it's a total shift here. Like we're talking about all the good things. Like God pays back, right, our faith with like good things. Well, (laughs) the best thing of all is Jesus. God returns our faith with his presence, with knowing Jesus as Lord, knowing Jesus as friend. Wow. What grace of God. The grace of God is this, that that Jesus would call us his friends, that he would tell us his secrets, that he would meet with us in the secret place. See, it's cool that Mary became famous from the break. In verse 9, it actually says, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. I mean, really awesome that this is connected to the Gospels, but, but Mary got something even greater than fame. What she got was intimacy worth far more than destiny. Hallelujah. Our destiny is intimacy with Jesus. Something powerful happens when we shift from making all this about what God can do for us to how much we can fall in love with him. Hallelujah. 
in verse 6, it, it says that Jesus said, leave her alone. Again, he's just protecting his better word over her life. He's protecting her. I love this quote from Eric Gilmore. Shout out Pastor Jordan, Brownsville Revival. The story of Mary of Bethany is a call to be captivated by him. She is a demonstration of his worth. She is a proclamation of the preeminence of his person. Her love cries out that he is greater than his gifts. He is more wonderful than his wonders. Stare at him, for he is greater than the anointing. He is lovely. See, she wasn't standing in awe of his powers. She had found something so much more valuable. She found that he himself was the fulfillment of her soul, the satisfaction and joy of her life. She was struck breathless by the overwhelming conviction that he is more lovely than anything she had seen. She realized that being with him was to have everything she ever wanted. Wow. It was to be everything she ever wanted to be. Hallelujah. And it was to arrive everywhere she had dreamed of going. She found that his presence freed her from the need to have anything else. I'm going to share the third thing that happens when we, when we break the jar, but this is what I'll end up closing with as well. I want to ask you this question. Actually, let me, let me say number three first for you, <laughs> in case you're taking notes on your sweet iPad, which I really want, Rebecca. Mary changes the narrative. Hallelujah. Okay? Mary changes the narrative. I just, could you change the narrative? Could you be a narrative changer by pouring your life out for Jesus, by breaking your jar? Would you rather be the one pouring or the one criticizing? See, the vial, the alabaster vial jar that was used, it had one use. We only get one shot at this thing. Hallelujah. The time is now to give your life for Jesus. No more waiting. No more wondering. No more asking, what, is, what am I going to get out of this? The time is now to surrender to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. By his grace, we are found. It's not about striving. It's about pouring. We only have one shot. What are we going to do with it? See, six days later, two days later, whichever it is, Jesus cracked his jar on the cross for us. And the drops of blood that spilled out from his body (laughs) speak a better word over our lives. The drops of blood that spilled out from his body are way more valuable, way more precious, way more powerful than anything we can pour on him. Jesus has done the work. It is finished. It is finished. The system of the world has been crucified at the cross with Jesus Christ. And Jesus has created a free and open space for us to pursue him with all of our hearts. Would you put your faith in him today? He won't let you down. One more thing before I close. Pastor Josh comes up. I just want to ask this question. The Lord burned this in my soul and it's part of the reason that that he put this message on my heart. Uh, What would it look like for our church to break the jar? 
I just want to ask that question. I was doing some research on the scripture, and John Piper actually said, you know, this, this, this uh, alabaster jar of perfume could have actually been like a family heirloom, right? And it could have been even like a retirement plan. <laughs> and I just, I just, this is a crazy thought, but, you know, the early disciples, the early church, you know, they traded all their possessions so that, so that everyone would have some. <laughs> there was, they met in homes and they met in the church building. There was a radical devotion to Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the early church. The early church was based on covenant relationships, honoring others before yourself, and being fully committed to the gospel. I mean, you look at the apostles and almost all of them died. They were martyred for their faith. But there was an outpouring of new wine. There was an outpouring of love. And my goodness, what would it look like for us as a church to live in that outpouring of love? The outpouring of Jesus' blood on our church and on our community. I think it's significant that, that this could have been a fairly family heirloom because I believe that when you commit yourself and your family and your generations to Jesus Christ, that he is able to change the narrative of your family and he is able to change the narrative of your, your church family as well. I don't know what words have been spoken over you. I don't know what's been beating you up. I don't know what fears you have or what risks you're afraid of. But one thing I do know, Jesus has spoken a better word and his word is strong enough to hold you forever. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for your great grace. Thank you, Father, that you died and you spilled your blood for us and you poured it all out for us, God. And we thank you that there's a space to break the jar, Lord, whatever that may look like for each of us, but there is an available moment in time. We only have one shot, but there is a time. This is the time, Lord, that you are calling us to break the jar, God, and to break it in our families, to break it at our church, to double down on relationships and our commitment to New Covenant Church. Hallelujah. To double down on the history and the legacy and the family that God is creating here to double down on, uh, on everything that God has chosen to appoint in this church and to give your life for it today. Thank you, Lord, that you love us and we love you. And we pour it all out for you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Wow. What a powerful message and encouragement to lay it all down, to break the jar. I want to encourage you as we end our service today to think about ways that you can put that into practice. Jake gave you a bunch of ways to think about that, but God will also speak to your heart. He is speaking right now. We're going to end with just a couple of announcements and uh, pray us out. There's going to be information on slides that will give you more information about what I'm talking about, but we first want to let you know small group Sundays today. That means our small groups are starting at the beginning of June. There is no better time to get involved in those. What would it look like to break the jar, maybe even open up your life to some other people in a way you've never done before, and be part of a small group? Discover what it looks like to follow Jesus in a whole new way. 
So check that out. Make sure you look at our website. Make sure you check out our app if you have that downloaded. Check out where those small groups are because there are small groups. They will be meeting and it will be a powerful time in God's kingdom. We also want to let you know this Tuesday, the 26th, I believe, is Mobile Food Pantry from 10 to 11. If you know anybody that has needs for food at this time, anybody's welcome. Always great stuff. Come on out and be blessed. We also want to let you know there's a marriage conference coming up June 11th, 12th, and 13th every night of those three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, from 8.30 to 9.30, just three hours, but three hours over three days so that we can digitally meet together. If you want to be a part of that, register for it. We'll send you a unique invitation to a closed Facebook group where you can be part of this incredible time where we see our marriages built. And we just want to let you know that communion is going to happen next week. Now, that brings me to an announcement. We don't know. The president gave us great, a great announcement on Friday, and we're excited. We're, we're as excited as you are to meet together, but we don't know everything about that. But what I do know is this, that everybody's got an opinion about it, and everybody wants to be together. But when we come together, there's different opinions about how we should do it. And here's what I want to do. As your pastor, I want you to know this. We are working as hard as we can to get together as soon as we can in a way that loves and blesses the body. And so I want you to continue to live in anticipation of that and get ready for it. And here's how you can get ready. First, let's get ready by preparing to love one another. Galatians chapter 5.13 says this. Uh, you have been called to live in freedom, brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to give into your sinful desires, or some say the, the desires of your flesh, but instead use your freedom to serve one another in love. What does that mean? What does that have to do with us? Listen, we have the freedom to worship in the United States, and we're so grateful for that freedom. But we're first and foremost not citizens of this kingdom, of the United States. We're first and foremost citizens of his kingdom. And in his kingdom, love comes before even our freedom to worship. So how can we decide to do this? Paul in Galatians gives us some great ideas and opportunities to do that. First, he says this. He gives a list right after that verse of the works of the flesh. In other words, if we live by the Spirit, we're going to satisfy, we're going to have the fruit of the Spirit. But if we live by the flesh, all these things break out. And this is traditional stuff, you know, drunkenness and sexual immorality and orgies. But there's also things in there like hatred and division and outbursts of anger and factions. And then Paul says this, he says, but walk in the Spirit and you will have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here's what he says, there is no law against these things. So just because we have the freedom to meet doesn't mean that we should. If, if the president says, go ahead and do whatever you want, that doesn't mean we should do that. We want to exercise the greatest discretion. So we're working hard to make a way to meet together that makes sense, that's safe, and that allows us to worship together. Know that we are doing that, and we will let you know as soon as we can. We're getting information this week. We're even gathering some more. We want to make great decisions based on good information. So we're working on it, and we're getting ready. But here's what I want to encourage you to do as well. When we are able to meet together, there may be limitations on our meeting. In other words, we may have a certain amount of people we're uh, supposed to have in our sanctuary, or it would be safe to have in our sanctuary. We're going to do that to the best of our ability, but we don't want that to restrict you. You may, we may ask you to wear face masks, but we don't want that to restrict you. We may ask you, or we may not have children's uh, church right away, and so that may feel restricting to you. Here's what I want you to do. In every one of these areas, let's clothe ourselves with love. Let's gather together, not for the purpose of enjoying worship, which we do, but let's gather together for the purpose of exalting Jesus and loving one another. So when we come together, let's get our hearts ready to just be cooperative and joyful in the experience of worshiping together. But here's what I also want to say. Let's start thinking about people we can invite. 
you are anxious to get together, but there's other people that are anxious. Maybe not to get together with the church because they've never done that before, but to just get together with people. This might be the season that their hearts are open to the Lord. So what would it look like to invite them to church? Even when you don't exactly know what it's going to look like, say, come, we're going to be together. It's going to be a great time. Listen, even if we're limited in the amount of people that we can have, if we see an overwhelming, I'm telling you right now, my staff is going to hear this for the first time. Even if we have an overwhelming response, we will do whatever it takes to get everybody into worship. And that might mean a lot of services, but we want to do what it takes to worship the Lord effectively and safely, honor the authorities that we have over us, exercise our freedom, but most of all, exercise our love for Jesus and for one another. We are looking forward to it. Can't wait to see your faces. So blessed that you join us digitally. Join us next week. We will give you information about what that looks like. We want to meet together as soon as we can. We pray God's blessing over you. Father, let your blessing rest on your people. Let your joy fill their hearts. Let the anticipation of meeting together for worship be exciting, not just because they're going to get to see friends and church family again, but because we're going to be able to gather together and see you together. We're going to behold you together. We're going to worship you together. Lord, let our lives not be about breaking the jars open to satisfy our own needs, but about breaking our lives open to satisfy and to worship you. And God, may it be a sweet perfume that perfumes our life and causes everyone around us not to see what we're doing, but to recognize that the King is among us. We thank you for your presence wherever we are. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.